0: State was able to get a win at Texas A&M, 26-22, needed that safety, held the Aggies to under 300 yards of total offense, and it wasn't your season best in terms of yardage, but it was your season best in terms of an overall effort on offense. Episode 14 of the Better Than Average podcast. Better Than Average. You play Football. Uh, Football juggernaut of a podcast better than average it's like a radio show that's not on the radio coach it's a great day for you huh yeah it's better than average i'll tell you that <laughs> better than average is presented by mississippi land bank. land bank visit them online at mslandbank.com anything land related buying or selling it could be big time farmland and anything in between uh recreational property place to build a dream home anything land related trust me that's the kind of people you want to do business with. In North Mississippi, uh, branch offices all over the place. Check them out at mslandbank.com. So, yeah, twenty six twenty two, you get the win on the road. And I had somebody on the radio show today say that, you know, he said it's one of those that, you know, it felt like the game was not as close as the final score made it indicate. And, you know, maybe that's the way it was. I I actually didn't feel that way. I felt like. Pretty indicative of how close the game was, because you know State didn't uh, you know quite finish it out the way they wanted to offensively, like totally slam the door, sort of left it open. But then the defense was able to go out there and and uh, slam the door. And you know the safety is so twofold. Not only does it put the two points on the board and make it a four point game take a field goal out of range, but the time of the game it happened, it made them force him to kick the ball to you. All you had to do is field an onside kick, and the state is able to do it. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of special teams, maybe the biggest, best uh, special teams play of the day was the recovered onside kick that gave you the ball and able to close the game out. So there's uh, several things to get to on this podcast and trying to, you know, after – being a little under the weather and getting busy and getting tired and everything last week and not having a normal schedule back to a normal schedule this week. I appreciate you all tuning in. Um, we'll look at some overall game thoughts for me uh, coming out of it. Just when I say overall game thoughts, sort of umbrella thoughts about how it went, why it happened the way it did, and uh, some of those things. We'll look at them. Then we'll look at offense, defense, special teams. We'll talk about a few individual players, just thoughts coming out of the ballgame and then what all this means going forward. So we'll dive in a little more specific, and that's what's ahead here on this episode. And I do want to remind you, too, that um, a big supporter of me, of my content, and of this podcast are your local Mississippi Farm Bureau insurance agents all over the state of Mississippi. And so, give them a chance if you haven't already. You know, our family, we have all of our insurance, auto, home, life, with Farm Bureau insurance, and just couldn't be happier because we get to deal with somebody we know. You know, our agents are local, we see them all over the place. We text. If I need something, I text a person who I know, and I don't have to deal with people two, three states away and 800 numbers. I traveled with the team. Of course, we flew out to AM on Friday, and normally, I mean, over the years, that's what I've always done. Is I say I, we, staff, radio, video people, you know, a uh, few other staff members, we travel with the team, right? So uh, we're on the plane with them most of the time. Now, last year we didn't because of COVID, so we had to travel on, on our own, drive on our own to these places last year. And I didn't mind that I actually like driving. This is a trip that really is drivable, because I have family in Vicksburg. Go to Vicksburg; it's only about a six-hour, six and a half-hour drive from Vicksburg, and and that's definitely drivable. It's just that with it being a late game, six p.m., it sort of makes it quirky because then you're leaving College Station late, and it's like, do you stay the night after the game near College Station because it's so late, or do you drive the six hours back to Vicksburg after the game? Like, what do you do? So it was just better to fly. So uh, on the trip with the team, Friday was interesting. You may have heard about it. We leave. We load the buses about midday Friday. There are four buses. First two or I guess maybe first three are team members and everybody coaches, all this stuff. The fourth bus was kind of us, you know, just the rest of us uh, on this trip. And what you do is you load those buses at the team facility. They take you to the airport in a – kind of a, a convoy to the airport of buses you, everybody gets off the buses you board a plane and then you fly out and so we're in we're on four buses we're leaving the facility we get on the bypass then we go hit the entrance ramp onto highway 82 and we're not on it very much and I hear the guy I'm sitting about four or five rows back and I hear the guy sitting behind me Hudson from Learfield and I hear him go, Oh, no, oh, my gosh. And I know he's seeing something. So I look up, and by this time, we're all slowing down. These last two buses were all slowing down. And when we come to a stop, we can see that bus number two has left the road. I mean, we haven't been on Highway 82, you know, a mile. And a bus has left the road and uh, is over in, you know, off the road to the right, has gone over the curb and the strips and is over in the grass with these great big deep ruts that it's dug as it's sitting on the side of this hill. <laughs> and it's bus too with your team and everybody on it. And we just sit there we're kind of in shock for a little while and like, you know, what, what happened? Thank goodness. And then it dawns on you, you know, that bus is sitting there on the side of this hill, this big embankment off the edge of the highway. And, you know, another... Ten yards to the right, and A, it probably flips over. B, if it doesn't flip, he just drives off down in the ditch because the farther right you go, the steeper it gets. It was really a narrow margin, and and you're kind of trying to figure out what's happened and how did that – did he just inadvertently run off the road? Immediately I start thinking, okay, they're about to take us off of bus four And tell us good luck, figure out a way to get to college station, put the team members on bus four, and just take three buses to the airport, right? (laughs) But they didn't. We did take only three buses to the airport, but all the people that got off bus two, the one that had pulled, had been run off the road, uh, they just filtered onto the other three buses, and we were able to go into the airport there. But what had happened was uh, apparently, someone, a woman driving a car, as this, you know, train of buses, four of us, being escorted by highway patrolmen front, back, and beside. As it got onto the highway, this person driving this car sort of flipped out or freaked out, didn't know how to handle it or something, and attempted to, as the first bus being led by an escort, the highway patrolman, as the first bus got by her, tried to whip it over and get in behind that first bus, which would put that car between buses one and two. The problem is bus two's coming off the entrance ramp and is really giving it the gas to try to catch up to bus one. And what we heard, I didn't hear it from the bus driver myself, but I caught wind that the bus driver afterwards told some people, if I hadn't pulled this bus off the road, there's no way I could have stopped. And if we'd have hit that car, we'd have killed that person in that car. And it's like, I mean, you got a car here with one person in it who's pulled over in front of you You're driving this big bus with about 40 people in it, and what do you do? And then, so he makes the decision. He leaves the road and is able to get that thing to a stop, apparently, without tipping it over or going down that hill. And anybody who saw it, I mean, again, it's another 10 feet to the right, and the thing leans over on its side or tumbles down into the ditch down there. And it was just it was pretty wild, scary, um, and uh, surreal. All the guys on that bus get off. Um, I'm Like I said, I was on bus four. That was bus two. A bunch of the players wind up getting on our bus. We made made sure they had seats and made room for them. Uh, two players, I moved out of my seat, moved over to the left side of the bus, sitting next to Neil Price, and two players sat in the seats I was in. One of those was Aaron Brule, and I asked Aaron, I said, was it scary? He said, absolutely, it was scary. <laughs> um, and kind of described what they saw, but. Everybody was in good spirits. And, you know, what was weird about that is at some point, Neil Price said to me, he said, you know, as strange as this may sound, he said, but, you know, I've never seen anything like that before. He said, but when something like that happens at the beginning of your trip, it makes you feel like you're going to win the game because something good's got to happen on the end of your trip, sort of balance it out, you know. (laughs) And maybe it's purely coincidental. But that's how it all got started. Uh, but everybody's – you know, I was impressed with the maturity of the team and everybody, but particularly the players. They're the youngest people on the trip to to handle that. And then once we got moving again on the road, it was like nobody made a big deal out of it. You just go on to the airport, get on the plane, and we're back in business trip mode. And so, yeah, I was um, – you know, it was a little scary. You're just thankful that it, nothing worse happened because it definitely, absolutely could have been worse. So we fly on out there. A few of us had dinner in College Station once we got there on Friday night at a little Tex-Mex place called Mi Pueblito. And it looked like a hole in a wall, but, man, the food was outstanding. Would definitely go back if I get an opportunity. And uh, that was great. And then, of course, we had the game. And then after after the game, I got to see Coach Cheryl. They honored him on the field and uh, after it was over, it was before we get on the buses to go to the airport to leave on Saturday night after the win, and he apparently had just stuck his head in the Mike Leach press conference, and I was outside the locker room in that long alleyway under the stadium. Our engineer, Jonathan Ashley, was putting stuff on the big equipment truck to come back to Starbucks and I was waiting on him, and somebody started pushing me in my back, and I kind of got mad. I was like, who is this? And I spun around, and it was Coach Cheryl. He was laughing pretty hard. He had – um His granddaughter in his arms, and, of course, Peggy was with him and got to see them. That was really neat. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, overall, it was just an interesting trip. Several things happened, but it wound up being a good trip, and certainly probably the best part of it is that you go win the ball game. So, enough of the story time, let's talk football. My thoughts on the game, just kind of overall, state, you know, played – well enough to win in all of the phases and can play better in every phase. And I even felt like, you know, maybe the most positive thing for State coming out of it was that you win this game in that stadium, in that atmosphere, night game, 85, 90,000 people, whatever it was, and, you know, you win it and you come away from it going, yeah, I mean, glad we won. We played well. We needed to win. Great. But in every phase, you can actually play a lot better. And they and they know that. Um, I guess the announced crowd was 87,973, so they didn't have a sellout. They didn't expect to, in fact. But uh, Yeah, so um, state was very physical. Overall, I felt like they won the line of scrimmage, although it was pretty close, and usually when the line of scrimmage is close, the games are close. Usually, not always, but usually. Um, lots of improvement in special teams. We'll get in on that. And You know, A&M made some mistakes. I think that's the other thing, too, is sometimes it's easy to be on this roller coaster of like, okay, so the team loses to LSU and everybody's down and says they're not any good and they played horrible. Okay, and then you go beat A&M and now everybody's up and they tell you you're really good and you played great. You know, one week, those are the words, you're horrible. And the next week, you played great. Well, really none of that's true. The truth is really way closer to the middle in all of them. It's just that, you know, last week you didn't play horrible. You just made a f- couple, three extra mistakes and, and they didn't. They made maybe one more play than you did, made a kick and you didn't, and they won a close game. Well, this week it flipped. AM came out of this one saying the same stuff that State said after a home loss the week before. AM was saying what? well, you just, you made a, A&M, we, the Aggies, made a couple more mistakes than they did, and they had maybe one more, you know, offensive drive than we did, and they had less turnovers than we did, and that's really why it was close. We lose a close game. See, they, A&M feels the same way about this loss as State did against LSU, and the margin on really both of those games for State was really thin, really razor thin. You were helped by A&M mistakes at times. Now, State... The penalties, State had more yards in penalties, but had fewer, you know, one fewer. State had seven penalties. They had eight. State's went for 65. Theirs went for 59. But, you know, they, State was also helped by their quarterback. And, of course, he made a play or two, made one with his legs for a touchdown, threw one. But he missed some, too. He had times where the, the fact that he had gotten hit some – Affected him later in the game when he wasn't getting hit. And and that's why you want to hit the quarterback. Is There's a long memory there for a lot of those guys. Especially new starters playing against those kinds of teams for the first time. State was able to force him to have some bad footwork, which led to missing some throws that were open at times. Okay, so that's why, I mean, you can play better. State was not perfect on defense. But they really came up with some stuff when they needed to and forced him to some mistakes, you know. So some of his mistakes really helped state to win the ballgame. It did. So, you know, overall, I felt like the performance was a lot like the way they had played at other times this year, just slightly better, slightly more clean. Uh, you know, you didn't have the turnover, a few less penalties, um, your drives were more spread out. Throughout the game, and not all grouped at the end. They, you didn't have three and outs. You know, you were just a little more consistent and a, more effective, and 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 so that was the difference. You know, it was a step in the right direction. Were they dominant? Not really. Did state come out of it going? We made a step, but we can still be a lot better. Yeah, that's the reality. So those are kind of my overall thoughts on the ball game. So let's go over the three phases. We'll start with offense. Okay, Will Rogers, 46 of 59, 408, and three touchdowns. He's one of your Offensive Players of the Week in the SEC. Um, Second time this year to have 400 yards and three TDs this season. He's the only player in the SEC who's done it. Um, And that was a 78% completion deal the other night. He completed balls to nine different players Polk, the leading, with 13 for 126 and two touches, uh, touchdowns. Um, this is a big number. He, he completed 20-plus yard throws five times to five different receivers. That was huge because there had to be a time in the game where their D coordinator's going, you know, what do I call? I don't know what to call. You know, I don't know what matchup we need. That's huge when you're spreading it around like that. Um, he was 13 of 14 to start the game. Those 46 completions, third most in MSU single game history. He was 7 for 7, perfect, on their first touchdown drive there in the first quarter. He gave a 7 for 7 on that drive. So he really is capable of getting hot and going on streaks. So I just thought, you know, those are the, those are the numbers for him in the ballgame. But going back watching the film, there's some really good stuff in there. a uh, and tried a lot of things. They tried to throw a little bit of everything at him. I mean, outside of a bunch of zero coverage and zero blitz, which they didn't do a ton of, yeah, you know, they played zone. They did rush three, drop eight, but they tried to disguise it. They did it with two safeties. They did it, cover three with one safety. They um, tried quarters coverage and zone on one half of the field. They go quarter, quarter, half. They did play man. They did what LSU did. The closer you get to the red zone, they play more man. But State beat them. After the game, um, Jimbo Fisher was asked about you know different coverages and doing some things, and he said, "Well, we we played a lot of man against them." He said, "But well, they just beat us when we went man, and you could see it on the tape." He's he's telling it like it is, and that's because Will was really good. I thought in anticipating and reading and eyes in the right place. I saw examples of him you know i i think it's intentional i guess there's always times where it might not be but i think you know intentionally using his eyes to hold defenders in place or to move one by a step or two to make sure that those completions down the field could happen and i just thought he got really confident and really in a rhythm against that a&m defense um he was good i hope you'll watch the film study that i'm putting out the first one we may do another one but the first one on this game that's going out it's about 15 plays not all are on offense but some of the ones from offense will give you an indication of some of the things I'm talking about you watch that film study video it'll be on youtube uh, so check that out i'll send out links on twitter also you know state had no three and outs that was huge closer to finishing more of your drives you know, you didn't finish all of them. You did have to punt a couple of times. But sometimes punting is finishing a drive. For example, you know, you had at one point you had a 35-yard drive that finished with a punt, right? Well, that's, you know, moving some field position. There in the third quarter you don't score. Sometimes a punt can be finishing a drive depending on the situation and flipping the field position and that was that was good for you the times you were able to do it in the game. You know, it was such so much more of a complete game in terms of the consistency with the offense. As we said, no three and out. So you're on the field more, you're moving the ball more, moving the chains more. It just led to more, you know, consistent scoring throughout the game. What I mean by that, I still only score, you know, twenty-six points overall, twenty four of those on offense. It's not a ton of points, right? But You know, the first possession on a short field field goal. The next possession in the first quarter, touchdown. So you had two first quarter possessions that that culminated in the first quarter. They both go for scores. Well, your your last possession of the first quarter, it actually started in the first quarter and finished uh, in the uh, third quarter. I'm sorry, I'm, that's not true, finished in the second quarter. Um, that was a drive that, you know, you get a field goal attempt out of it. You go 47 yards and seven plays. And um, you you could consider that a finished drive. Now, even if it doesn't go through the uprights, you're moving the ball down there, and as, a, as an offense, you've gotten it in the position where you can hand it off to your special teams and sort of depend on them. You know, so and then okay, so you had a a field goal and a touchdown drive in the first quarter. Two drives that culminate in the first quarter both wound up in points. That's huge. To start a game like that on the road, you had a touchdown drive in the second quarter. And then you also had a touchdown drive in the third quarter. You would love to have had a touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. I mean, obviously, to finish the game off. But A&M didn't give you the ball. You know, you you really only had one possession in the fourth quarter because the last one is you're just killing the clock the way it worked out. So you had fewer opportunities. So the scoring and the moving the ball was a little more spread out and just more consistent. When you mix it in there, that only one drive in the whole game did you have some crucial penalties. That was in the fourth quarter, and you had no turnovers either. You never gave them you know, a free possession by getting the football out there. And I just feel like as an offense, you're getting really close. Um, you're getting really close to to becoming very hard to defend. Because, listen, as you continue to put the kind of stuff on tape against zone coverage that they've done the last couple of weeks, and there's good athletes at LSU and A&M, and then against A&M scoring, moving that ball, and then you get in the red zone, people jump into man. And this week – you zapped them when they went man-to-man, in, not in just the red zone, but in kind of the scoring area across midfield. When they went man stuff, he made them pay for it. You keep putting that stuff on tape, it gets harder and harder for defenses to game plan for you, and you start manipulating them. You complete more of this stuff in zone, he's really starting to get a knack for that. These teams are going to have to get out of it. And once you get them in man, once you get some people to play man-to-man against you more often out in the field – it, it, it's, it'll it'll get fun quick, uh, I promise you. And I think they're getting really close to that. You know, running backs had a good night. Now, we're not just looking at numbers rushing the football. Dylan Johnson and Joe Quavius Marks both averaged 3.2 yards a carry. That ain't great, obviously. Um, but you didn't run the ball 17 times in a ball game, and those two guys were your second and third leading receivers <laughs> in the game. One, uh, well, both in terms of numbers of catches, okay? So they were very active, but I thought they were excellent in pass pro, too. And you all may have seen that as you watch the game, but there were several times where a um, and I say just several, not a lot, but several times where they would bring four, and with the back checking, that fourth guy was a linebacker, so they would step up, the back would step up and take it. There were other times that they did bring five, Backs would check and stay in, and in the, and pass pro, the backs were really good. And then Marks catches seven balls, and Johnson catches six. So they're very much a part of the offense, did a good job. Makai Polk was outstanding. You know, that catch on the fade, I call it the fade, just one-on-one go vertical. He pushed him up the numbers and leave all that space to the sideline for Will to drop the football into. And Polk was able to fall out there and catch the football going out of bounds, and away from the DB. It's a great throw, but even better catch. He was targeted 18 times, caught 13 of them. 126 yards, two TDs. Leading receiver in the SEC, numbers of catches. Um, I guess that gives him four TDs on the year, which ties him with Wally for the team lead. Mentioned Marks and Johnson. They're two and three in terms of number of catches. Christian Ford uh, gave you... You know some big reps in the ball game. Four catches on five targets for 40 yards. Had a long one of 16. <clears throat> uh, Austin Williams four catches. Tulu Griffin three catches that went for 52. So his long one was 23, and you only targeted him three times. So you know he was good. Calvin had the big screenplay that came across the field on a scoring drive late in the ball game or in the second half and when he ran that screen a couple of plays later they come back go similar formation faked an underneath screen look to him and he you know Rodgers pumped it and it helped to get Tulu Griffin open up the sideline he threw it and caught it so they were Calvin was very involved you know Wally had three catches 27 one of those at 25 yarder up the middle against zone coverage read it perfectly of course it had the one on one out route touchdown there on a the goal line they targeted him five times. He caught three and um, thought it was a good night for him. And Malik Heath, you know, he had a big catch early on that first touchdown drive where he catches a hitch versus a rotating coverage in a soft corner. Will Reddit fired it out there to him on a hitch, and as soon as his hands touched the ball, he spins to the outside, made the corner miss, and turned it into a big play uh, down in the red zone. So everybody really productive. Nine different players caught passes. So that was big uh, for State on the offensive side. And then O-line was good. They, they did an excellent job. Now, again, they're not seeing just a whole ton of like zero blitz and a lot of complicated stuff. Not that I could see during the game, not, not ultra complicated. But as long as teams are devoting so many people to coverage and not going straight zero, which they don't want to do against this offense, teams do not want to go zero against this offense. It's too easy for this offense to complete it and – and hit their head on the goal post. So the defenses are, you know, devoting more people to coverage so they just don't have as many to go after the quarterback, you know, dependent on three or four until teams start really changing it up. Well, you know, you look up and at the end of the night, A&M's credited for three sacks. I could only remember two of them, but credited for three. One of those is at the end of the half. And then four TFLs, but they're not credited with hurries. Okay, So you got sacked three times, one's last play of the half, but but no times in a game where they're really rushing the quarterback. Uh, so he had a clean pocket. Offensive line was good. Uh, they were. They were solid. A couple of penalties late, and that's why you don't say that they had a great game. They just – they're getting better each week. Um, so So this was a good performance for them, something they can build on for sure. On the defensive side, you know, this was interesting in that AM was able to go out and run for 162 yards. State's defense was only giving up 70 rush yards per game. Um, but in those previous games where they averaged giving up 70 rush yards, teams were looking for ways to throw the ball a little more often. And they got bigger plays throwing the ball. They didn't devote themselves to throwing it, but they just got explosive plays by throwing a ball. So teams weren't running it as much because they knew they couldn't. And this was one where a and I think, came in thinking this but found it out early, is we're not going to drop back with this quarterback and beat them throwing a the ball. He can't do it. We've got to give him a run game. And plus, probably your two best offensive players on that side of the ball are those two running backs. So they just were bound and determined to do it, and they blocked it pretty well at times. You know, 162 yards, and you look at their running game, they had some explosives. Uh, They had a 44-yard rush, a 41-yard rush. But the deal is, you know, you give up 162 on the ground, it kind of goes against your M.O., but you still, as a defense, found ways to make plays. You created a turnover. You got third down stops in the red zone to force field goals, and only gave up 297 yards of total offense. So the defense just found a different way to win than the way that they had been winning previously. Again, I hope I can point you to the film study. There's some examples there how they got off the field. Um, and again, you know, just like State's offense took advantage of some mistakes from A&M, State's defense took advantage of some of their mistakes. Um, they had a bust or two in pass pro a couple of times that led to the quarterback getting hit. Quarterback gets hit. He's a little more anxious later in the game when the, he's not getting hit, but the pocket was collapsing, and he it led to some bad footwork. And when he had bad footwork, he missed people. He overthrew people, one in the end zone, one on a third down. And so they got off the field on some of that stuff. Um, there's lots of individuals on defense, I thought, played really significant roles uh, in the win. Yeah, your leading tackler, Jet Johnson, you know, he had a series there where he made two plays in a row, right? Like a tackle at the line of scrimmage, hops up and bats one down on third down on the very next play. He came away, your leading tackler had a he was in on a tackle for loss there in and the br- breakup, pass breakup I'm talking about. Bookie Watson, another linebacker, he also had eight tackles, had a sack mixed in there for him. Um, You know, Peters had the interception at the uh, beginning of the ballgame. You forced a couple of fumbles, you just never were able to recover one, so those were almost. But defensively, three sacks and seven tackles for loss and creating a turnover is a big deal. You know, one player who didn't really show up much in the stats that I thought was big, especially in the fourth quarter, was Colin Duncan, the safety and y'all see this in the film study also and i put some of that on twitter but duncan they went after him they they looked for ways to try to match up him and take advantage of it in the fourth quarter and on key drives okay so they're next to last possession of the ball game they're down there trying to score a touchdown and take the lead they get him matched up on one side of the field he did not take the bait on a play action roll the quarterback out they're rolling him out towards his side, but he still covered his receiver, turned and ran with him in his hip pocket and took away what they were trying to do to get an easy touchdown throw on a rollout. It didn't happen because Colin Duncan read it and covered the guy totally. I guess two plays later, or one play later, I think it was two plays later, they came back on the other side of the field, had him matched up, and actually beat him for a corner to the back of the end zone but Colin was a safety on that side. He had no help to the inside, so he was inside leverage and and or inside shoulder if you want to call it that to the receiver, and he was in the right spot. He did turn and run and kind of closed him out a little bit. It was going to force the quarterback to make a throw without being able to just lob it in there for an easy throw, but he couldn't do it because there was a little bit of a collapsing pocket going on. He had bad footwork, overthrew it cuz he'd been getting hit earlier in the game. And, and And then the last possession, the play before Pickering got the tackle for the safety, he was matched up again in one-on-one out there on a deep corner route as that field safety. This time there was a three-safety look, so he had a guy to his inside, had help on the inside, so he lined up on the outside shoulder of that receiver. So when he broke to the outside, he was in a little bit one-step better position, but read the route, covered it totally. They tried to pump it to his guy, but he jumped it and batted it away, got a pass break up on that second down 11 play. And the very next play, you get the safety and win the ballgame. If he doesn't make that play, Duncan, and they targeted him the entire fourth quarter, if he doesn't make that play, it's you don't get a safety because they've got a first down out about the 40-yard line. Uh, and here they go, and their crowd gets into it. He makes that play, and now it's third and long, And here comes the safety play. And so speaking of the safety play, it was um, a four-man rush, and Tyrus Wheat started off the line and just had a complete bull rush of the right guard, knocked the right guard flat of his rear end right at the feet of the quarterback. It flushed the quarterback out of there. really physical job by Tyrus Wheat. And when he did that, the nose, uh, Nathan Pickering, was battling a, a combo of the center and left guard and had a spin move back to the inside and it whipped the center. Center got off his balance. And once he spun to the inside, because Tyrus Weed had knocked the other guard down and cleared the path, uh, Pickering was free to the quarterback and ran him down in the end zone. And, of course, uh, that sealed the ball game. So, team defense, but there were some guys definitely who stepped up and, and made plays. I thought, you know, it's another example of teams just trying to stay away from Martin Emerson. Um, they just didn't really find a way to challenge him. You know, They completed a couple out there, but they stayed away from him for the most part, and he still comes up as your team's third leading tackler with four solos. Uh, Forbes on the other side had a big night, tackle for loss, forced that one fumble where he knocked the ball out of bounds. It just, it just happened to bounce straight out of bounds. So um, they were good. Cameron Young was really good in the middle. He was in on a tackle for loss, starting nose tackle. And they they rotated that defensive front in and out pretty good, and a bunch of guys got playing time. Demonte Russell played a bunch of snaps for you on defense. Uh, We saw Richardson get in there and make a play at corner. So people just made plays, you know. That was it. They just made enough plays, especially those third down stops um, down there in the red zone to force field goals the wheat strip sack, and they were able to recover the uh, Bookie Watson sack, and you force field goals, get them off the field. And and look, they made a mistake. They had one down there in the fourth quarter, and like I said, they missed the throw because of a little pressure and because you didn't make it easy on them. So defensively, it was a, a good night. But, you know, again, hey, to go in there and hold them to under 300 yards of offense I thought was um, was good. It wasn't perfect defensively. They did get gas a couple of times. They did have a 100-yard rusher that they gave up, but they didn't give up much else and certainly didn't let them in the end zone, and that was a, that was a big part of the game. Now, special teams, you know, it's got to be better. Your coverage has got to be better. You got bailed out after giving up a return. You got bailed out by a block in the back that brought it all back, and it was a block in the back on your punter who was trying to get upfield and get in on something, they shoved him in the back. So you're really fortunate. They just totally bailed you out right there. So, you know, if there is one negative, it's just kind of special teams as a whole. Now, you know, Nolan McCord, he hits that first one from 24, and then the two that he missed are 46 and 49. I just don't know that, given the situation, Rees is not there and able to go for you, uh, that you can't really blame that kid, you know. He's got leg on both of them. One's left, one's right, and... Eventually, he'll hit those. We'll see if Reeves is back in two weeks for Alabama. Uh, don't know. You didn't have returns. Kickoff returns were null because none happened. They're kicking it over your head. You got one opportunity at a punt return, and and Wally brought it back for five yards. Trafford, I thought, did a nice job. You know, he's a little over 40-yard average and a long 47, but he punched three times, and two of those he killed it inside of 20, which shows you your offense was moving the ball some. You didn't have any three-and-outs where – Trafford had to go out and try to turn one over and flip the field. I mean, if I remember it correctly, all three of his punts were nose down, you know, um, backspin trying to kill the ball inside of 20. And so good hang time. He did his job. And, um, yeah, you know, punting's got a little better. And then the kickoffs, that's the other thing. You know, Goodman started the game. He had two early kickoffs, and neither were great. He missed one, popped one up. Next, when he hooks it out of bounds, and so then in came Tucker Day for kickoffs. After that, did a pretty nice job, to, and they weren't beautiful, but he did get you touchbacks. So, I just think overall, from a kicking standpoint, kickoffs execution that we've seen in recent weeks on um, on uh, onside kicks, covering kicks, covering punts, everything about special teams has got to be better. If it doesn't start to improve and and become a little more solid then trust me you're going to get in these SEC games and somebody's going to spring one on you and it's going to be a huge play uh so that's what i see got to be better yeah anything else um look at some comparisons in the game state was 4 out of 5 in a red zone 24 points out of the red zone which means all of them offensively is you know you're going into the red zone All three of your touchdowns in the red zone were passing touchdowns. Meanwhile, you hold them. They're four of four, okay, but they only had one red zone touchdown in four trips. So one touchdown, three field goals in the red zone, and that's that's a winning effort if you're a defense right there. State was 30% on third down. They need to be better on third downs. It's just they had a night where third downs weren't as big of a factor. They converted three, you know, pretty crucial third downs, but they were moving the ball out before they get to third down on a bunch of that. Did never had to go for it on a fourth down either. Um, and once again, state wins a possession time deal. So when you're finishing drives paired with winning possession time, now you got something. You know, otherwise, sometimes you can win the possession and not finish drives and turn it over, and it doesn't matter that much. But when you're not turning it over, you're finishing drives, and you look up you won possession time that's um pretty big in in uh in my opinion uh so yeah i mean overall i liked it I, I felt like um you know that it was i i don't know that it was statistically just overwhelmingly the offense's best game or will rogers' best game i just felt like it was complete it had the right kind of flow It had the right kind of clutch plays. It wasn't – offensively, it wasn't interrupted with turnovers. Uh, The day wasn't interrupted by three and outs. It was just solid and competitive and physical. And um, you found a way to win, you know, make plays when you had to. And when you come away from it, you look at it and go, well, we're not going to come away and say they played great on the road because they didn't. Um, State can play a lot better. You know, you can go out there and put – you know another touchdown on the board instead of two missed field goal attempts you can make sure that field goal attempt is a little closer instead of getting a couple of penalties and backing it up you can close it out in the fourth quarter with the ball instead of you know your defense going and closing it out when they've got the ball you know there's a lot that offensively they can do better but it was a a mistake yeah, I mean, technically it's not mistake free, but as mistake free as we've seen recently. And it shows them, I think, what they can do when they, you know, have the right mix of super aggressive, but taking care of the football. Will Rogers was 23 of 27 passing in that first half. That was really good. So let's see, he was 23 of 27 in the first half. 23 of 32 in the second half. How about that? So he had the same exact number of completions in the first half as he did in the second half, but a little bit better percentage uh, in that first half. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, you know, that's just kind of my thoughts and looking across the day here for this episode. Better than average, you get a win, move it out to three and two, and now an open date with a couple of weeks to get ready, get healed up uh, for Alabama. We'll see if Reese can get himself going where he can maybe kick for you. I don't know. You know, I'd love to see that. But what I like about it mostly is, you know, it's Alabama be a heavy favorite when they come in there, and they should be. They are one of two teams that has a roster unlike anybody else in college football. It's them and Georgia in terms of what's on their roster. They're on one side of the Grand Canyon and everybody else on the other. That's just kind of what it is. But it's just such a a a perfect setup. I'm not saying perfect setup for it to be a trap game for Alabama. What I'm talking about is it's just it's what you've wanted uh, as a program. When you look at you're coming off a win, you've got two weeks to think about it, get ready for it. They've already told you now here today on Monday that the game against Alabama on the 16th is going to be a 6 p.m. game. It'll be on ESPN. Because it's Alabama in there and because you won, people are happy Alabama's coming in yeah big underdogs get it but primetime deal you're going to have a full campus you'll have a full day of tailgating which and you have a full stadium to go out there and say hey look you know you're better than us nobody gives us a chance in the world but Me and my guys, we're going to see if we can't do something to absolutely scare the daylights out of you tonight. And don't you dare, Alabama, let us hang around to the fourth quarter, because if you do, we may surprise you. You know, take this approach of (laughs) put a big old grin on your face and really look forward to the challenge. Why not? And I think the fan base will. So the the good vibes coming out of that win are going to pay tremendous dividends. It's just great for the university. It's great for the campus, the stadium, the fan base, and everything. And then you get a 6 p.m. game against Alabama on top of it, which uh, I guess you hadn't had one of those since the NC State game in week two. I'm talking about home game anyway. So, um, yeah, that's going to be good. All right, well, that'll pretty much wrap it up. If you all have questions, let me know. I always record these and then feel like I haven't covered everything. But uh, it's the best I can do. And I do encourage you once again, head over there and watch the film study uh, of the recap, some of the high points of the state's win. It'll probably give you a clue, a, a visual uh, key sort of to go by with some of the comments that I made here in this, uh, this edition of the Better Than Average podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Mississippi Land Bank for supporting these videos. And thanks to Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. I'll see y'all on the next one.